Furthermore, the equation E is equal mc squared. Hello and welcome to another Cheeky Scientist radio podcast. I am Isaiah Hankel with Cheeky Scientist. We have a great show for you today. This is the radio show for PhDs who want to get hired into their first or next job in industry and who want to thrive in business. Thank you for joining us. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new Cheeky Scientist radio show. I'm Isaiah Henkel with Cheeky Scientist. This is Cheeky Scientist Radio, and we are interviewing Donna Serdula, a LinkedIn expert today. Today's show theme is unknown features on LinkedIn for PhDs. We're going to be talking about everything related to LinkedIn. We're going to start with our special show me the data segment. We're going to walk through some data, talk about why LinkedIn is so important. We're going to talk about why it's better to not have a LinkedIn profile at all versus having a bare bones LinkedIn profile. This might be counterintuitive, but a bare bones profile will hurt you. The data shows this. Make sure you stay tuned for that section. Before the show me the data section, I'm going to go through a couple of, uh, couple of pointers in terms of providing context and significance for today. I'm going to talk about how you're being searched on LinkedIn. What do you need to know as a PhD? What words, what search fields are employers using on LinkedIn Recruiter to find you? This will help you figure out what you need to do in order to be found in the search results. If you're not having recruiters or employers contact you, you're in trouble. Don't worry, we're gonna tell you how to fix it though. Then we're gonna bring on Christina, a special PhD who has transitioned recently into an application scientist role. This is for our career segment. We always talk to a PhD in a different career. We ask them how they got there, what they like about it. We essentially set up an informational interview for you so you can start to learn about the different options that you have as a PhD. The hiring market is through the roof. Worldwide, in many countries, unemployment is at the lowest level ever. This is good news for you as a PhD. It's also good news that PhD hiring is up over 2,000%. The secret is out. PhDs are highly employable. Employers are looking for you over every other type of job candidate out there. Other job candidates know it. You have an advantage. You're probably thinking, though, I can't have an advantage because I'm not hired or I've uploaded resumes. It's not that you don't have an advantage. You're just invisible. You're invisible to employers. So we're going to talk about what needs to happen for you to be found by employers on LinkedIn. We're going to talk about unknown LinkedIn features specifically for PhDs. We're going to talk about how to get the most out of your LinkedIn profile, the most out of social media, and how to make sure you're communicating that you're the right candidate to hire. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about how you're being searched on LinkedIn. A lot of PhDs don't realize that there's a separate LinkedIn called LinkedIn Recruiter. There's also LinkedIn Talent, Talent Insights, LinkedIn that employers are using to find you. A lot of PhDs don't, don't even know about the, the Recruiter button that you can turn on on your profile to make sure that you're found by recruiters. And until that button's turned on, you might not even show up in the search results on LinkedIn Recruiter. So we're gonna be talking about some of these features today. But what I want you to understand is, if you go to LinkedIn Recruiter right now, you Google search it, you can see how it's set up. There's only three search fields at the top of LinkedIn Recruiter. Skills, job titles, and locations. That's how you're being searched. 
realize that most hiring managers and recruiters, they don't have a PhD. They don't have years of experience doing research, information collection, data collection. In fact, they probably hate it. So they're just using the basic search fields that are at the top of LinkedIn recruiter. Job titles, locations, skills. That means this is all that you have to go by in terms of being found on LinkedIn. You have to put the locations you wanna work, job titles you're interested in, and the skills that you have in order to be found. Because if you don't have the skills, or the job titles, or the locations that are being searched for on LinkedIn Recruiter, you're not going to be found at all. You're not going to show up on the search results. Does that make sense? Now, for job titles, one confusing point for a lot of PhDs is they don't think they can put job titles they're interested in in their headline. You can. You don't have to. It's not your work experience section. You wouldn't put in your work experience section that you were a project manager. But you could put project manager in your headline because that's the role you're searching for. Very important. Also, locations. A lot of PhDs think that they are limiting themselves by adding a location. You're not. If there are certain cities you want to work in, you should put down those cities because you'll show, show up in the search results. If you're willing to relocate, you should communicate that. Don't assume that because you haven't listed any city, because you haven't put a city or a location on your profile, that you're all of a sudden going to show up for in the search results for every city. It doesn't work that way, right? If you do a Google search for nothing, you're gonna get results for a lot of unrelated things. Uh, you would never search that way. That's not how research works, right? You would do something specific. So if you're looking to hire a project manager in London, what are two of the first keywords that are gonna be used when an employer is searching to fill a project manager role in London? Project manager and London. Okay, and as far as your skills goes, it's really important not just to list your technical skills, not to list your, just your skills in the way that you are used to saying them, but to list your skills in terms of how they're being posted on jobs, how employers are searching for them. How do you do that? You can re review job postings, you can set up informational interviews, you can do research to see what words are being used. And don't just fo focus on the technical aspect, focus on the transferable aspect. As a PhD, you have skills that a lot of people don't have and you're not listing them in your LinkedIn profiles because you think they sound too simple. Information processing is a big one. You're a fast learner. This is important. Two of the most important ones are data and information collection. Your ability to do research, very, very valuable. Data and information analysis. Your ability to analyze data, analyze information and draw conclusions, very valuable. In fact, McKinsey and Company just released a report saying there's a 20% deficit in the job market for job candidates who can do data and information collection and analysis. Very, very important. Because what this relates to is problem solving. You can draw actionable conclusions from a lot of data. You're not communicating that because you think everybody can do data analysis or information analysis or can do research. They can't. If you have a PhD, you're in, the, uh, one, you're in a small part of the population that has a PhD, only 1.6%. Make sure you're communicating these transferable skills. So this sets us up for the show me the data section. We're going to go over some data, some recent trends on LinkedIn, and we're going to set up our first interview for today with Donna Sardula, a LinkedIn expert who's going to help us uncover some new features on LinkedIn, help us uncover the best practices uh, for you in order to start getting contacted by employers on LinkedIn. So with that, I'm going to bring on Mary Truscott, and we're going to go through the show me the data section here and move forward to the next part of our radio show. Hello, Mary. How are you? Hello. I'm great. How are you? Hi, everyone. Good to see you. Please say hello to Mary in the chat box, if you would. 
Mary is pulling double duty today. She's doing the show me the data section and she's in the chat box. We have some other events going on at the same time. So say hello to Mary, say thank you to Mary. I appreciate that Sarah and Kumbo, Katerina, Anna. Excellent. All right, Mary. So LinkedIn obviously comes up a lot for us at Cheeky Scientist. The platform is, is leveraged heavily by employers. Before we get into the show me the data section, you know, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in terms of concerns that PhDs have or struggles that they have with LinkedIn? I'm curious. Yeah, I think you named it the headline being concerned about uh, talking about the position they want because they don't have that yet and they don't feel that that's the, that it's maybe they feel it's a bit dishonest, maybe. Um, and also converting what they've done in academia into vocabulary that recruiters and hiring managers will um, will understand. Those are two key yeah. things we see a lot in the group. And yeah, a lot of it comes down to just learning to speak that language of industry or business or that particular job that you want through research. Many of you went into your graduate school programs, your postdoc, not understanding the field entirely. You had to learn a new nomenclature. That's what it comes down to. And remember, you can add a single word. If you feel uncomfortable with something, definitely don't do it. But you can add a word like seeking project manager positions or uh, project management experience. And so we just want to encourage you to think about how employers are searching for you. Encourage you to think about your audience, not just what you're used to. Learn to speak the language of industry, uh, not just academia. So with that, we'll jump onto the show me the data document so that we can look at some of the trends that are happening right now on LinkedIn. I'm opening this up and hopefully everybody can see this. If you can see the screen, can you type in yes in the chat box for me if you're here as a member joining us in Zoom? A simple yes will help. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Christine. Okay, so LinkedIn is a primary resource for PhD searches. Now, this is uh, from a LinkedIn news uh, uh, reference, and I'm just going to list some numbers here, and then I'm going to show you a map to show you how many millions of people are using LinkedIn in every country. It's just good to know that this is something that's not just being used in the U.S. or not just being used in Europe. It's being used all over the world. Um, it's the world's largest professional network. 660 million people. I remember when Cheeky Scientist started, it was like 200, 250 million. Uh, professionals are signing up to join LinkedIn at a rate of two members per second. More than 70% of the members are outside the US. More than 30 million companies are represented on LinkedIn. 30 million, more than 20 million open jobs. 900,000 schools and universities, 35,000 skills. So 2019, there's 90 million senior level influencers, 63 million decision makers, 6 million decision makers just in the IT sector alone, 17 million opinion leaders, 10 million C-level executives, and 40 million mass affluent members. I have no idea what that means. I'm guessing they're affluent. We're looking at the map here just to show you that there are millions of people very likely in your country, near you for sure, LinkedIn. Uh, is exploding, especially right now. And I think there's a lot of factors here, Mary. I think, uh, you know, Microsoft bought LinkedIn. So there's a, a, a large investment piece there that's getting woven into the, the fabric of corporations around the world versus just being another tech tool. Because Microsoft has had a pretty heavy presence in um, uh, corporations all around the world for quite a while uh, in computing. So I think that's a big factor. I also think that LinkedIn is doing some things very well right now. I almost think LinkedIn is the new Facebook in a sense, because if you post something on LinkedIn, it's being shown to a lot more people organically. Where on Facebook, this doesn't happen as much. A lot of you probably noticed this. 
What, what are some things you think are important here, Mary, in terms of how much LinkedIn is used, how ubiquitous it is, some of the, the trends you've seen and noticed recently? Yeah, I mean, maybe not recently, but going back to grad school postdoc days, you know, you get to know your colleagues and you connect on Facebook, but then more and more you're connecting on LinkedIn and old people or people you know from grad school are connecting with you. It's just, it's present. It's the language that people use to stay in touch. Mm. Um, so we see that all the time. Um, people finding about a job opening from someone that they hadn't been in touch with for a while, um, and that happened on LinkedIn. So it's just, and I look at the population versus the number of users, it's what, almost half of, yeah. of Americans, for example, or almost half of Canadians are on LinkedIn. So just everyone's there. Yeah, and it's, it's important for you not to ignore the obvious. Sometimes as PhDs, we're like, I don't want to do something that's popular, right? I want something that's more specific. Like we have people talk about like ResearchGate all the time. Look, at, there's, uh, you can leverage all kinds of social media platforms. That's great, but don't ignore the most important one that's growing the fastest where most employers are. Where's your audience? It's not about what you want, what you identify with. Where's your audience? If you want to get an industry job, your audience is, is on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has a leader in candidate discovery. Okay, so this is a, a campaigns.thestarconspiracy.com uh, article. And this is looking at talent acquisition um, and, and the vendor in terms of uh, talent acquisition and vendors in terms of candidate discovery market share. So where are candidates being found? And we're just doing this, this in the next figure to kind of show a comparison in terms of what employers are using. And here we're, we're looking at, a, for those of you that are on audio only, we're looking at a, a, a circle chart here that's ranking the percentage of market share that LinkedIn has versus CareerBuilder, Indeed, Monster, Glassdoor, ZipRecruiter, Dice, and uh, other. Um, the largest overall, LinkedIn, 22.5%. CareerBuilder, 107 I'm actually surprised that CareerBuilder is still used that much. Indeed has been growing quite a bit, 9.0. Monster.com lost quite a bit of market share over the last few years. This was very big when I was in grad school, 7.5 now. Glassdoor, Increasing 2.1, ZipRecruiter 1.3, Dice 1.2. What, what's the takeaway from this figure, Mary? You need to be on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You need to be on LinkedIn. I think, um, you know, there's LinkedIn from both a individual job candidate's point of view is very valuable, but also from an employer's point of view. And that alignment is why LinkedIn is so powerful. Career builder might be very, very valuable to employers, but if it's not valuable to individual job candidates and the candidates aren't there, um, that alignment is off, right? Just like there might be certain apps that individuals are on more, like there might be lots of people looking for jobs on uh, Facebook or you know, Snapchat or whatever, but that doesn't mean that employers are on those platforms. So you're looking for that alignment and that's really what makes uh, LinkedIn so powerful. This is one of my favorite figures of all time. So th those of you that are associates have, have seen this. This is in module two. And it's just going back to your audience. What, what is your audience seeing? If you're an employer and you get this data, where are you going to go to look for job candidates? And if you're looking for high quality candidates like, hello, PhDs, where are you going to go? So Mary, can you walk us through this figure in terms of where are the highest quality candidates? And I'll just tell everybody listening by audio, uh, this is an HR technology review. Um, the title is the best job boards of, the, of 2015. Um, and I've seen these statistics recently. They're the same in terms of where the high, highest quality candidates are. Mary. Yeah. So it's the similar um, list of sources as the previous figure. And um, you see right at the top, LinkedIn 
40% um, of high quality candidates are found on LinkedIn um, and then followed by career builder about, I don't know, is that 17, 18% indeed monster. I'm Craigslist is there, which is interesting. Um, I'm not yeah. sure what sector this is. We um, Glassdoor is there as well. Yeah. We were just talking about uh, Craigslist is actually still used quite a bit, which just shows that whatever, you know, if you're the first to market in something, you're going to carry over uh, clients or, you know, it depends on the jobs. And what you will notice though, is if you're looking for high, the highest quality candidates, Glassdoor and Craigslist has, you know, the, 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 least amount of highest quality candidates. The reason I mention this is because you should consider yourself as a PhD, a high quality candidate. And what is not on this list? ResearchGate, right? These academic platforms and sites. If you want to get an industry job, you got to go to LinkedIn. I also love this study for another reason. The study was actually done by CareerBuilder. Even though they were second, they still published the study, which as, you, as, a, as a PhD, that's got to make you feel good that the, the data is the data is very reliable, <laughs> right? Because uh, they didn't put themselves as number one. Another figure, recruiters are using social media and primary, uh, primarily LinkedIn for their hiring strategy. So according to a JobVite study, so this is a, a JobVite article, and we'll put the, the links in the post show notes uh, for those of you that are listening by audio on the podcast or, or, or reading about the uh, the show later. 74% of recruiters believe hiring will become more competitive in the next 12 months, which is pretty amazing. This is a recent study. Hiring is still through the roof and it's becoming even more competitive. For the last couple of years now, people have been saying, oh, recession, oh, hiring is going to drop, but it's continued to get higher. Very, very low unemployment rates. And of course, a lot of this is country specific, but even worldwide, uh, unemployment is, is, is down and things are going very, very well in terms of hiring uh, if you look at the overall averages. What does this mean for you? It means don't throw in the towel and give up if you're not being found. You just have to make a few small changes, possibly just a few keyword changes on LinkedIn, some changes in how you're using LinkedIn. 31% of recruiters count quality of, of hire as the most important success metric, followed by retention. Quality, they're focused on quality. Your PhD is a quality indicator. Are you leveraging it effectively or are you listening to the myth that if you leave your PhD off your resume or off LinkedIn, that somehow you're more likely to get hired if you put a master's. Entirely not true. A lot of data shows that twice as many PhDs are hired into STEM positions in particular as those with their master's. So Mary, can you walk us through the figure here? They're just showing some basic percentages, but I think it's important to, to name them out. Um, so 47%, so the largest uh, portions from social media, 21% from company career website and 12% through, 12 through advertising. So social media is, is the way to yeah. go. And it's kind of flipped on its head since, you know, since the rise of social media, how people are finding others for jobs. If you don't have an active social media presence, you are falling behind. It's going to be very hard for employers to find you. That's what they're using. Because very often to employers, it's free. They might have to, you know, they might pay for LinkedIn recruiter or talent insights, other higher uh, priced uh, packages, but a lot of employers just use regular LinkedIn to search you. They use regular old Facebook to search you. Um, so it's important to realize that 47%, that's how, that's how they're finding you. They're not, they're not looking as much at their company website anymore or their job postings that they're posting online. If they're posting job postings, they're posting them on LinkedIn, not just on their company site anymore because the odds that you're going to randomly uh, find their company site. I mean, how, how many of you have tried to find like the careers tab on a company's webpage. It's very difficult. But if you go to LinkedIn, 
their search algorithm for careers is amazing. You can find uh, open jobs at any company there much faster than if you do a Google, Google search and try to navigate to the company's webpage. Um, and, then, and then advertising uh, has shrunk quite a bit too in terms of outbound advertising. Uh, recruiters are getting creative on social media to reach candidates where they are. This is really good for you. I love this figure because when companies compete, who, uh, who gains the benefit? You do uh, as the consumer. So, so LinkedIn is the most used channel for recruitment with 77%, but Facebook is, Facebook's up to 63% now. Quality, quality might matter here, but was this surprising to you, Mary? Yeah, I used to separate Facebook for more social and LinkedIn for more professional interactions. And we've actually seen some conversation about that in the, in the chat box here, but um, no. it pays to be, be aware of what you're, what you're doing and, and showing on, on Facebook um, and know that opportunities can come from there as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, we've seen this. I mean, so we do special posts, like for this radio show, we might run a promotion on Facebook and Facebook has started asking us because we do career related stuff. They said, do you want to post a job posting? They're like, what? You can post job postings? This is something that's happened over the last year. So Facebook has been growing out this platform. And I think you as a job candidate is just going to benefit um, because it means that LinkedIn is going to try harder. Facebook's going to try harder. They're going to reduce the, the costs on both ends to show you uh, to employers. Um, and that's, that's advantageous to you. And it just means that you might need to start being a bit more professional on Facebook. I mean, this, these numbers are not that far off. Final figure, this is my favorite. This is so my favorite. I can vouch for this because we've been doing a lot of hiring lately and it's very, very true. You don't realize it, but it's true. Having a comprehensive LinkedIn profile boosts your job search chances. That's not the surprising part though. So Mary, do you want to walk us through this and tell us what's surprising? Um, so the trend is similar for whether it's an entry-level, mid-level or managerial level um, position. If you do not have a LinkedIn profile, you actually have an advantage over someone who has kind of a crummy LinkedIn profile. So right. having, you know, a half done LinkedIn profile is a disadvantage. You're, you're better off having nothing. So that's why we really stress in the association, get your LinkedIn profile made, get it. We can review it. We can help you um, keep it updated, stay active there. Make sure you have a good, strong presence. Um, yeah, this is, and this is why I'm excited to talk to Donna because and, and for those listening by audio, this is a statista.com uh, study. It's looking at a comprehensive, how a comprehensive LinkedIn profile boosts your, boosts your job search chances. We're looking at three different sets of three bar graphs. The three different bar graphs, it's for those that had no LinkedIn profile, those that had a quote unquote bare bones LinkedIn profile. Let's face it, that's many of you watching this. And those that have a comprehensive, completely full LinkedIn profile. And what they found was it didn't matter if it was for entry-level, mid-level, or managerial-level positions, people that had, a no LinkedIn, had no LinkedIn profile or bare-bones LinkedIn profile suffered greatly. So it was around 7 to 8% uh, in terms of those getting hired. But if you had a comprehensive profile, it was between 11 and 15%, give or take, is what the hiring shot up to. That's a significant jump. That's about double. The surprising part was that if you had a bare bones LinkedIn profile, you might just think, oh, I'll just create a profile and I'll fill out part of it and that's good enough. It actually hurt your chances compared to somebody who had no LinkedIn profile. So it's better, it was better to have no LinkedIn profile, which is bad. I mean, it, hurt, it cuts your chances of getting hired in half or getting a, a phone screen in half. Um, but even worse was having a profile that 
wasn't put together well. So for those of you that have a profile and your headlines like grad student at XYZ University, and then you list the fact that you're a, a postdoc, no skills, nobody's referred you, nobody's um, endorsed your skills, you put no effort into it. It just signals not a professional, lazy, right? Not taking this seriously, not really actively looking for a job. And I think that's the problem there. So Mary, thank you very much for coming on the Show Me the Data section. Any final thoughts? Yeah, LinkedIn. I, I mean... <laughs> Use it. You be there. You should, yeah, exactly. You should be there every day. They're always constantly making little updates to your profile, connecting with people, reconnecting there. Uh, make that your homepage on your browser. Um, we've just seen here how important it is for getting hired. Excellent. Yep. Thank, thank you, you, Mary. Please thank Mary in the chat box if you would. She'll be with us in the chat box. Now, before we bring on our very, very special external guest for today, I do want to mention a webinar that's happening tomorrow on the other professional profile that's important, resume. So we're talking about LinkedIn today, but we have this special resume webinar tomorrow, 12 resume secrets from top recruiters and hiring managers. If you go to cheekyscientist.com slash PhD industry resume, sign up for this. It's tomorrow, Thursday, November 7th at 1 p.m. and 9 p.m., two different times, both live. I'll be there sharing, you, sharing with you top resume secrets that go hand in hand with what we're gonna talk about on the LinkedIn side. And yes, you should be putting your LinkedIn URL on your resume, so make sure you do. Now, without further ado, I'm gonna do an introduction to our special guest, Donna Sardula. Donna has been on, I think she was on our very first radio show, uh, one of our very first guests ever. Uh, Donna Sardula, I'll show her LinkedIn profile and her website here. She is the, she runs and is the CEO of LinkedIn Makeover. Uh, she's written the best-selling book, LinkedIn for Dummies. Uh, she loves LinkedIn, is a pioneer and foremost expert in LinkedIn profile optimization. Her current mission is to help people create an impactful online professional brand that leads to an amazing opportunity. With over 40 writers on her team at LinkedInMakeover.com, she has helped thousands of executives, entrepreneurs, professionals, and PhDs. She's been working with PhDs for years now. Um, and she's been one of our, our best partners over those years. Uh, she's worked with companies all over the world as well to tell their unique story and brand themselves successfully on LinkedIn. She's also the author of LinkedIn Profile Optimization for Dummies. That's the entire title. You know, I'm going to open this up right now. When you go to the store and you see those like LinkedIn, those, uh, uh, those books for dummies by Wiley, I love them. They're great. She wrote one of them, LinkedIn Profile Optimizations for Dummies. You can check it out here. We'll put the link in the chat box for those of you listening by audio. Easiest way to find it is just go to amazon.com slash LinkedIn dash profile dash optimization dash dummies dash education dash ebook. And then there's a code. But if you just search the title on Amazon, you'll find it much faster. Uh, she's also written another book, LinkedIn Makeover, Professional Secrets to a Powerful LinkedIn Profile, where she shares uh, her, her overall methodology for LinkedIn success. She's been featured in Business Insider, Times Money Section, Wall Street Journal's Market Watch, and many other news outlets. This is her LinkedIn profile here, linkedin.com slash in slash T-O Donna, T-O-D-O-N-N-A. Definitely find her on LinkedIn and connect. You know she's on LinkedIn. And finally, I'll show you her webpage. If you go to linkedinmakeover.com, and I'll show the, uh, the shortened URL there for those of you watching. It's linkedin-makeover.com, linkedin-makeover.com. You can read everything that you need to read about Donna, about LinkedIn, Get some of her free resources. Talk to her and her team. You can call her at 215-839-0008. She's done a lot of 
she's remade a lot of profiles of our associates of PhDs in general of my, she did my profile and it's amazing. I can't tell you how many more people contacted me directly after uh, she, she redid it. And she, she, she goes through, you, you work with people on her team. They walk through everything that you're trying to get out of your profile, whether it's a job, the type of people you're trying to connect with. Um, and it works. Again, I've done, I've done it twice now with, uh, with Donna's team. So without further ado, I'll bring on Donna and we'll talk to her about LinkedIn. Hey, Donna, how are you? <laughs> hey, guys, how are you? Good to see you. Thanks for joining. I, I, I always love seeing you guys. I love seeing the cheekies. I love the show. I am so happy to be here. Yeah, thank you very much. I it looks like you have a new blue wall as well, which is fantastic. So, or maybe it's green. I can't tell. But it looks it's great. Sort of blue green. <laughs> it's good. So, Donna, what is new on LinkedIn? There are so many changes, so many things happening. I'm really excited to talk to you about some of them. So, I'm going to talk first. Now, I'm kind of, I'm going to go out of order from the right. order that I prepared because. When I first jumped on this call, you were talking about skills yeah. and you were talking about how these PhDs are a little shy about putting certain keywords up in their headline and they're worried about putting skills that they think are just silly. Well, LinkedIn has changed some stuff for us and right. it, not everyone has it. I have it. I'm going to share my screen so everyone can see this. But this is really very exciting. Now, can I share my screen here? Yeah, bottom middle. Yes, bottom middle. Should be oh, there we go. Arrow. There we go. Hit share. Perfect. All right, you see my screen? I do. All right, guys, watch this. At one time, when we'd go to view your profile, when we talked about the skills that were on your profile, there's skills that you just added. You just put them on and that was it. You just threw them up there and, and no one really said much about it. Then all of a sudden LinkedIn offered endorsements, which gave other people the ability to endorse you for those skill sets. Again, kind of, you know, getting better, but LinkedIn now has this take oh, wow. a skill quiz. Do you see what I'm oh. seeing? Yeah. So now what this is, is now they're, they're rapidly expanding. There's only so many here, but you can take a skill quiz and look, AutoCAD, C, C++, Cascading Style Sheets, HTML, Java. I think we're going to start seeing an awful lot more coming in here. In fact, we can click show more and there's even more that are there. QuickBooks and Revit. Um, and, and I even noticed, and I'm not seeing it here. We have, yeah, we, there we go. Microsoft PowerPoint, Microsoft Excel. So if you want to prove that you're better than everyone else, that you truly have the right skills and you know it and you want to prove it, this is the way to do it. You take a quiz. And these are quizzes that the LinkedIn learning instructors put together and they grade it on a curve. So it's not that you have to get 100%, but you just have to do better than you know 95% or 80% of the other people who have taken this quiz. Mm. And if you pass it, you get a nice little badge on your profile. Something wow. that I think recruiters and hiring managers are absolutely going to be on the lookout for. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I love this because one of the questions we get the most is, well, can't anybody just put whatever skill they want on their skill list, right? And, and, can't, and, and should I endorse somebody if I don't know if they have the skill? What's, what are the checks and balances? And I, th- you know, I, I remember when you first told me about this, there's like five on there and there's a lot more already, especially for those of you that are into you know, uh, programming or uh, data, you want to get into a data scientist position. Uh, those of you that are engineers or into IT right now, there's a lot obviously for that. But even the, even the skills like Microsoft PowerPoint, like you said, uh, they can jump out to employers, you know, if they're looking for somebody who can present, et cetera. So I, I, yeah, this is great. This, and, and this is really very, very new. And I don't think everybody has it. Some, most people have it now. It's been slowly rolling out. So keep an eye on it. Take a look. And then I would suggest keep coming back and see what's popping in there. Maybe it's something that's really, um, uh, it's important to you. So, so check this out. Now, I will tell you this. What happens if you take the quiz and you fail? <laughs> it could happen. Sure. <laughs> if it happens, no one is alerted. You get three months to study, <laughs> to, 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 you know, try to get yourself back to where you need to be. And then you can take it a final time. And hopefully mm. this final time you pass. So, so no one is at any point alerted that you didn't pass. Even if you do pass, but you pass like by the skin of your teeth. Yeah. Don't worry. You still get the badge. No one's, right. it doesn't say 61%. It doesn't say ah, anything. It's, okay. it's like a pass or fail type of deal. And people are only alerted if you pass. Yeah. And I think just the fact that you're taking them and sharpening your skills and willing to put yourself out there uh, helps um, with employers, but also it makes LinkedIn happy. Right. And who knows, maybe they give you a, a little extra boost in their algorithm. because you're active. I, I would agree with you. In fact, what I'm also seeing, because uh, you talked about my book, LinkedIn Profile Optimization for Dummies, which is <laughs> sitting is. right here on my desk because I'm writing the second edition right this very second. Wow. Yep. Busy. Very busy. But um, what, I w- what I've known, what I've noticed is, um, oh, goodness gracious, what we were going to say about this. I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that LinkedIn will give your algorithm a little oh, bit of a boost. Yeah. So what I've noticed is when, when I went into LinkedIn's uh, help chapter, yes. looking at these, the skills, they are saying that if you are actually going in and um, submitting applications within their job portal, there are certain jobs that are actually asking you to submit a quiz, to take a quiz, to prove if you want to apply for those jobs. So I think you're going to see that more and more. Yeah. And it's only a matter of time until they start having, you know, business concepts on there as far as skills, like due diligence, like uh, some of the things a lot of you've been asking about, like whether it's medical affairs, regulatory, it's, it's going to build out from here. So it's good to stay on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So that to me is, is huge. Here's something else. And I don't have it yet. I don't have this <laughs> yet, but I do have a screenshot of what it looks like. Great. And so most of you guys see here, it says um, career interests, let recruiters know you're open. Yes. All right. I hope everybody here knows about this. If you don't, this is something to pay attention to. But here's the big change is they're actually moving the location of this. And this is where it's now going to show up. So this is a screenshot. Can you see the screenshot? Yes. It's going to show up here. It says, show recruiters you're open to job opportunities. And now on the other side, it says, showcase services you offer. So 
if you're looking for a job, you want, you're going to want to make sure you turn it on here. But let's say you're not looking for a job. Maybe you want to be seen as a consultant. You can showcase your services on oh. LinkedIn. In fact, when you showed my profile, you, you could see how it shows up. The, the services part of it, providing coaching and mentoring services. All right, so oh. this is a whole new look to the profile. We've never seen this before. It's just now popping in. But there is something else here that I think is very important for all you cheekies out there to know about. And that is when, when this career interest moves up here, actually, let me see if I have another screenshot of it. I hope I do. Yes, I do. Howard Rourke, I like the name and reference. That's great. Yeah. Some people love it. Some people are like, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, so once you hit get started, you can add your job titles. I believe you can add up to five job titles that you're interested in. Then you can add the different locations that you're interested in being, um, you know, uh, uh, seen as, you know, yes. for, for those areas. You can also do the job types. Everyone's there going, Donna, I know this. This is this, nothing has changed here. Yes, look down here. All LinkedIn members. You can now wow. turn this on. So not just recruiters see it, everybody sees it. Oh, wow. Is there any reason you would want everybody to see it? Well, you know, I mean, who's going to ask you to the dance if they think you're going steady with somebody else? <laughs> I see what you're <laughs> Yeah, so I think, and that's an important point because for all of you, we talk about, we call it, you know, the recruiter button, whatever the official name is. But we, when you turn that on, you, you answer these questions and now you can choose whether or not everybody sees it. And here's the thing. So there's, there's a couple things here to consider. One is not all recruiters are paying for recruiter light or yes. the corporate recruiter package. There are a ton of recruiters that are very, very cheap and they are using the free version of LinkedIn and the way they are getting past that, um, the, the threshold of searches is they're doing x-ray searches using Google to dial into LinkedIn. And yes. that's how they're doing their searches and they're using their Boolean queries. So those, those recruiters are never going to know that you're looking. Mm, right? Because they're not paying for it. So, yeah. so that is why you might want to consider saying all LinkedIn members. Because, yeah. you know, and plus, here's the thing. I'm sure you do. I do. When we're hiring, I'm looking and I'm not a recruiter. Right. And so it would be nice to be able to see, oh yeah, this person is open to opportunities. Yeah. All right. When, when do you not want to turn this on? If you're currently working <laughs> and yes. you don't want to rock the boat, yes. then you, you will want to turn it on, but only for recruiters. And LinkedIn does try to make sure that um, if you turn it on and you're currently working, that they're not going to show the, the, that company's recruiters, your status. They do try to keep that on the download, but they can't promise anything because a lot of, lot of companies outsource recruiting. Mm. And so they won't know if they're an outsource recruiter is working with a company or not. Great points. No, I'm glad we had the time to talk about that because we get a lot of questions about the recruiter button. So again, when we talk about LinkedIn recruiter, LinkedIn talent, if you have this button on, you're going to show up there, but there's a lot of people, a lot of employers that don't use that to search regular old LinkedIn as if they're a job candidate looking for talent. And that's where that could be uh, advantageous. Donna, I want to get to more features, but I, I do want to ask you, because we had a lot mm -hmm. of people when they found out you were coming on. Yes. To, they wanted to know why you started LinkedIn Makeover. 
And why you're so passionate about LinkedIn, a little bit about <laughs> your story and where you've, you've come from. Sure. Am I still sharing my screen? Yes. I think you, if you go to the, you click the same thing at the end, at the bottom middle, and it should get rid of it. Otherwise, oh, what I can, there it is. I can oh. turn it off for you too. There we go. There you but, go. Okay. Um, so, so I got started, actually, it was back in August that we celebrated uh, our 10 year anniversary in business. Oh, wow. And yeah, 10 years, 6,000 LinkedIn profiles written. Can you believe Holy that? Smokes. It's a lot of LinkedIn. A lot of writing. <laughs> a lot of writing. <laughs> a lot of copy. Yeah. A lot of copy, a lot of copy, and and we barely use the terms dynamic and problem solver. <laughs> so, oh man! But um, yeah, That's I, incredible. I, yeah, I I started in two thousand and nine. I joined LinkedIn back in two thousand and five. Back then, I was in sales and marketing, and when I was in sales and marketing, I was making cold calls. That's what I did, and I was trying to. Um, was really just trying to. I was trying to to find business, build a pipeline, um, and build my territory. And back then, in like that 2006 timeframe, I was often, you know, as I was making these cold calls, as soon as I would hit a person, I would Google their name. It's just yeah. something I did. I would like Google their name. Sure. And one of the only, like, I would just see their LinkedIn profiles. It was like, it was just bizarre. But even back then, a lot of these professionals had LinkedIn profiles and the LinkedIn profile would pop up and I'd look at it and, you know, I'd have my call. Well, one day it kind of like dawned on me, like, I wonder if they're Googling, I wonder if they're Googling me <laughs> and I wonder what they're seeing. And at that moment I Googled myself and I saw my out of date hmm profile that was copied and pasted from this really old, dull, dry resume that I think I had actually copied from some resume online site. Mm. And I looked at it and I thought, why would anyone like me or trust me or, or feel <laughs> good about me? Like there's nothing here that, that, that shows me to be, you know, someone that could be considered a partner. Yes. And it was at that moment I had this epiphany, which was your LinkedIn profile is not your resume mm. because your resume has to align you to a very particular specific job. Yes. yes. Your LinkedIn profile, on the other hand, it really is, it's not your professional past, it's your career future. Mm. It's, it's who you are. It's your digital introduction. It's your first impression. It's, it's, it's your calling card. It's your elevator pitch. And it really needs to, to let people in on who you are, why you do what you do, what do you stand for? You know, why, why do you have a PhD? Why are yes. you looking, you know, to get into corporate America? Like what's driving you? That's what excites people. That's what interests people. Yeah. And, and that's what this is all about. And for me, yes, we do LinkedIn but I really think of it as we're branding. We're helping mm. people tell their story and LinkedIn is the best vehicle to do it. Yeah, I, I love that story. And I, for all of you, you know, listening, that's what LinkedIn allows you to do is tell your professional story. It's a bit more of a narrative. You know, it might have some aspects of your resume, but what Donna said about it appealing to every person who could hire you, every company versus a targeted resume that's, you know, one for one important aspect. Donna, you've been working with a lot of PhDs over the years now, yeah. and certainly a lot of technical people. So I do want to ask you a couple of questions about what are some of the biggest mistakes you see them make? I know you've 
help correct a lot of these mistakes by making over some PhD profiles. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the mistakes that you see? Oh my goodness. So you know, many to choose from. <laughs> in some ways, it's not even just, you know, technical people making these mistakes or yes. even just PhDs making these mistakes. I mean, I, it's, everyone has certain one profile picture. And I, I hate to talk about it, but I mean, it's, it's going to be 2020 and just like just weeks. And it feels weird that I'm still talking about the importance of it, but it is. Mm. It's so important. Um, and yes, you can take a picture of yourself. Yes, you can have a friend take it. Yes, you can do that selfie. But you really need, if you want to stand out and if you want to truly be seen in that light of success, if you want people to look at you and go, ooh, money, <laughs> you need to have a professional picture. It, it means that you respect yourself, you, 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 you recognize the importance, and you're putting your best foot forward. Mm. I will give you a, a tip. Headshotcrew.com. It's a database of, 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 of uh, pr- uh, photographers. <laughs> yes. They're all over all yes. over the United States. They've all gone through the, the Peter Hurley um, headshot program. Oh, great. So they are credentialed. They have, they've been taught by the best. Peter Hurley is well known. Mm. And they, they do a, a really beautiful type of headshot. It's very organic. It's very natural. It's not that like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. It's, 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 very, it's very natural. Um, so, you know, <laughs> Think about it. Definitely yeah. think about it. That's huge. Uh, the headline, so many people just keep it at the default. You know, go in there, infuse the, your keywords, put in a benefit statement, stand out from everybody else. Um, don't forget about the background graphic. And really, yeah. when you do your background graphic, think in terms of what you want it to illustrate. What mm. do you want it to subtly suggest? Don't just, you know, throw up anything. Really think about it. And if you do throw trees up there, like a picture of trees, you might come across as a biologist. Or, you know? yeah, yeah. So, you know, really think, what is a, an outsider looking in? What are they thinking about this? So be very, very specific and really try to find an image that illustrates that brand message. And you can go a little, you know, you can go a little, you know, crazy, like an owl would make you seem wise or a person climbing a mountain will make you seem like you do insurmountable tasks. So those are good, but, you know, just always be very, very clear because a lot of times I see these like meadows or a stream and what are you you truly conveying? (laughs) And now for those of you that are biologists, you know what to put in your uh, banner picture. (laughs) Uh, So, so shifting from mistakes to, I guess, what's, what's under leveraged by a PhD. Like if you could step into the shoes of a PhD who just realized I want to get a job and they have all this academic training, all this technical training, what would you tell them to do day one, day two, day three? What, what would, what is the, the most important things to do to start? I would spend time thinking about where you want to go, what you want to do, Mm. and take the time to sit down and write. Now, they've just shifted the name. It was always the summary section. It's now called the about section. That's that's right. But, But take some time to really look at this section and craft a message. Now, for a long time, it was only 2,000 characters. 
We're now seeing instances where it goes up to 2,500 characters, which is, which is crazy since a lot of people want a shorter <laughs> section yeah. now more than ever before. But LinkedIn is actually making it longer, which tells me they're putting a lot of emphasis on it. And I think they put a lot of emphasis on it for search. Hmm. Mm because um, there's a lot of keywords in there that you can use organically within your narrative. But mm. this is an area where for you guys, you guys are pivoting, you're, you're mm. changing direction and people want to know why. And sometimes you can't quite tell that within your career trajectory. Mm. So use that about section to talk about this pivot, to talk yes. about this change, you know, and, and don't be afraid to, you guys can write, I know you can write. <laughs> so take some time. And I know it's hard to write about yourself, but, and sometimes if you're really struggling to write about yourself, try to think about it like you're writing about someone else. Like sort of try to take yourself out of it and write it mm -hmm. as, you're, as if you're pretending to be someone else. And sometimes that helps people. But use the summary to tell yourself, what do you stand for? Who are you? What do you love? You know, why did you go down this path? Why are you pivoting? Now, you don't always have to be totally truthful <laughs> yeah. because, you know, it comes on like, oh, I want to make some money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Might yeah. not always come across very well, but, focus, yeah. but you, can, you, can, you can smooth it in and say, hey, you know, you know, I recognize that I can help more people if I move into this mm. sector. Mm. You know, so, so, you know, really, you know, search down deep. Don't just do the, the surface level. Yeah. Tell that story and use your summary, this about section to talk about some of your more career accomplishments, because there's things that you did far in the past that maybe some recruiters will never get down to. Yes. So grab those up and put them into your about section. That way you make sure that the recruiter isn't missing it because that recruiter's not drilling in deep enough. Amazing. Yeah, I agree on the fact that the about section is, is really underutilized. Everybody gets their headline done. They're like about a few sentences. Great place for keywords. Great place to tell your why, like you said. Mm -hmm. Why are you changing careers? Why are you looking for a job right now? Uh, Donna, great insights. Really appreciate having you on and uh, very excited for the second edition of your book. When does it come out? It is going to be out in, actually, let me see. Do I have my, um, my, uh, no, no, I must've taken it down. I have all my deadlines. They're like pressing on me. It's in January. January, <laughs> January. is when it's coming out. So I'll oh, let you guys so soon. Know. It's, That's great. It's, it's very quick. So great, great time to start the new year. I, I wouldn't wait though. Get this book now. It really will help you check out Donna's, uh, website, uh, LinkedIn-makeover.com. She's worked with a lot of PhDs. Again, my profile on LinkedIn, go look at it now. Why is it so amazing? Because I didn't do it. <laughs> it was Donna <laughs> and her team. So Donna, thank you very much. Great to see you on. Thank you. Please thank Donna in the chat box for her time, for coming on. Please reach out to her on LinkedIn and uh, show her some appreciation for her guidance today. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye, guys. Okay. Are you a PhD student or postdoc who wants to get an industry job? Are you tired of being paid one third or less of what you are worth in academia, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you've been uploading resumes over and over again, but you haven't heard anything back from an employer. Go to phdsgethired.com and get our free materials on how to get hired in industry. All you have to do is go to phdsgethired.com put in your name and email address, and we will send you our resume guide, our networking scripts, and our other free trainings to help you start your job search now. Again, just go to phdsgethired.com. Okay, we're going to move forward.
to our next guest. Very excited to, to bring on uh, Christina. Christina Wright, she is now an application scientist. She's a cheeky scientist associate who came up through the program, transitioned into an application scientist role. We've had a lot of people ask us about this role. Application scientist role, it's very similar to one of the most popular careers right now, a medical science liaison, but it's more for biotechnology support instead of uh, a drug support or drug development support. Uh, Christina works as a scientist at Advanced Instruments, driving the development of scientific content to support the value of os osmolality. Did I say that right? Testing in biopharma. After obtaining her PhD in philosophy, biomedical sciences, uh, Christina went to work as an undergrad research assistant at Duke University, did her postdoc at Boston Children's Hospital. She's a motivated spokesperson for endometriosis research and uh, as shown by multiple publications, international presentations and in-person petitions to US legislators and is a dedicated STEM mentor. I'm showing her LinkedIn profile here. It's linkedin.com slash IN slash Christina. K-R-I-S-T-E-E-N-A dash right, W-R-I-G-H-T dash P-H dash D and some characters, but just search Christina Ray Wright on LinkedIn. You'll find her um, if you're listening to us by audio. Uh, for everyone else, you're going to see her come on here shortly. Very excited to have on uh, Christina to talk to us about being an application scientist. Talk to us about her transition. So we'll bring her, her camera on here in just a second. Do me a favor when she comes on and please say hello, Christina, in the chat box. I think, let's see here. There we go. I can hear you, Christina. There we go. That maybe if I, I click this uh, special ask to start you the video button. You can hear me? I can hear you. Okay. It's half the battle. Yes. There should be a, you're a co-host now, so you should be able to. Uh, let me see. There should be a little camera button on the bottom left. Trying, I'm trying. It's all um, right. It's all right. Technology. It's my favorite. That's true. <laughs> Let's see. Oops. There's a, are you on a desktop or phone? I'm on a laptop. Laptop. All right. So there should be a little, do you see a little video box in the yes. bottom left next to your mic? I think it may be an issue with my laptop rather than Zoom. Oh, so it might need to, um, um, you might need to, maybe it's blocking a pop-up or you might need to give it permission. Most likely. Do you have a, um, do you have a phone you could try to jump yes, on? Yes, let me try. And I'm, I'm very used to using Zoom, so I'm not sure what's happening. No, but I will okay. try it on my phone and see. All right. As we do that, I'm going to do a quick reminder uh, for everybody that we have a special webinar tomorrow on industry resumes. I'm going to get the link here real quick. Actually, I might have the link. I might have the link up over here. So I'll share that link again one more time. I really want to encourage you if you haven't gone to one of our resume webinars or if you have, but you've yet to join our Cheeky Scientist Association to make sure that you join this webinar tomorrow. All you have to do is go to cheekyscientist.com slash PhD dash industry dash resume. 12 resume secrets. We always update these. Oh. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on there. We'll fix the audio here. Oh, there we go. Christina, are you back? Oh, she came on somewhere else. We might have Christina. This is the page though. Again, cheekyscientist.com, PhD-industry-resume. 
and we'll be doing two live events tomorrow. All right, Christina, you back? Yes. Okay, so I just clicked, I just made you co-host and asked you to start your video, so we should be able to, oh, it almost had you. Let me try again. Application scientist position, believe it or not, is, was the first position I had in industry. So as uh, Christina gets this set up, I can tell you what I liked about it. Uh, it's, it's a great position to get into if you don't mind teaching and you want to stay close to science or engineering or, or, or the technical side um, without having to work at the bench. Uh, that's what I enjoyed the most about, about the position. And again, application scientist, it's a liaison type of position. You're helping a company's clients apply their products to their research, just like Christina's going to tell us. Hi, Christina. Hi, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no, we got it. It's great. It would be too simple if it was really straightforward and easy for me to get on. So, <laughs> Hey, that's all right. Uh, thanks for being here. Please say hello to Christina in the chat box if you would. Great to have you on. So, Christina, I was just telling people about why I love the application scientist position. How, how long have you been on the job now? Um, it's actually been just over a year now. So I started wow. October 15th last year. Yeah. Well, happy uh, work anniversary. That's great. What, do you, what did you enjoy most about the job right after you started? Um, honestly, I would say going from my postdoc straight into this position, I appreciated how quickly things were moving. I think yeah. um, there's something to be said for, you know, having time and kind of taking your time and feeling comfortable. But mm. For me, almost being put out of my comfort zone slightly and being dropped straight into that position was actually really beneficial for me. Um, so we kind of hit the ground running. I mean, I'm at a company of about 100 people. So I'm okay. the only application scientist and oh, wow. the niche that they needed filled immediately for a reason. Um, okay. So they had a lot of stuff lined up. And so, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't too much, but it was, there was plenty to do as soon as I started. So that was yes. really exciting, just having that fast pace. And so, and what did you, so you, they had a lot of stuff lined up. You were ready mm -hmm. to go when you started. What did you do? What did like the average day look like? Um, so I would say some meetings. So what's great about my position at Advanced Instruments is um, it's very cross-functional. So I technically am part of the marketing department, which was very new to me. Hmm. Um, but then a, a large aspect of what I do is also pre and post sale um, support for the sales okay. team. So I interact with the sales team. I interact a lot with the R&D team in the lab. Um, so it was just kind of, you know, learning more about where they were currently and yes. then where they needed me to kind of assist or to help or take over whatever it was. Yes. Um, and just learning more about the overall goal. So I work closely with, um, typically with the product manager for okay. um, the specific device. And just, she's also very cross-departmental. So um, wow. it's, been, it's been great. Yeah, and I think that defines an application scientist role very, very well, right? Cross-departmental, you're doing a lot of coordinating, communicating. Um, but really the, the nature of the role is helping people apply the product or the yes. service, whatever it is in, in a company's particular case, to uh, the research. So you're like this conduit between the company and different departments at the company, the sales team, maybe the marketing team, maybe the executives, et cetera. And then the customers, the clients, the people, in your case, were they a lot of like scientists? Were they clinicians? Yes. 
Yeah. So our um, we make osmometers, which are not common. They're not really common instruments. Um, yes. They're commonly used in the clinical field. Uh, and so AI kind of started out more as a clinical company, but now we're starting to see them becoming more and more relevant and critical, really, in biotech. So we have um, the clinical technicians, um, but I'm specifically working with the biotech division at our company. So it's a lot of um, process development scientists, manufacturing scientists, a lot of working with a lot of people that have similar backgrounds to me, really. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I kind of, like you said, it's like a liaison, if you will, position between um, our company and all of those departments that I mentioned and then yes. the, the scientists within biotech. So it's really, it's a really unique, uh, very specific area, but there's plenty to be done for sure. Yeah, and you know, like I said, I, I really like staying close to the science, but without mm -hmm. having to do the bench research and learning. It's a great, like you're in the middle of the business and the science, and you get to learn right. both, and you get to cross that bridge, which very few people can do. Exactly. Um, do you do a lot of teaching, um, like in terms of teaching them how to use stuff? Do you go? Do you travel around and kind of like uh, do different conferences and shows for the instruments? Yes. Okay. Yes, and sorry, just in case you weren't aware of what time it was, that was um, our wonderful grandfather clock over here. Um, so, oh, I didn't even hear it. That's great. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so I, I do. I in the past year, so we actually had a a, high, a brief time where we didn't have a product manager and we were looking to fill it. So okay. it was a great time for me to kind of understand product management, what that meant. That being said, on top of traveling nationally internationally for conferences so mm -hmm. basically anywhere where um device end users or the decision makers are going um i was kind of representing advanced instruments talking to them about the science that we've been doing some evidence that you know our instruments would be helpful for you and your company um but on the product management side i also did a lot of traveling this past year um to do trainings so we had a product launch over the summer and I went to China um, and into the UK to train some of our distributors wow. on, on those instruments. So we've been all over the place um, for wow. sure. I was in Switzerland most recently wow. and then Ireland for a couple of seminars. And um, I try to also share that kind of, uh, we share it as a company on LinkedIn. And I know that you've, you guys had an amazing segment earlier about LinkedIn. So um there's we've had a lot on there and i try to share some of the seminars and such there as well sounds like an amazing position and um, yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing because a lot of people you know they kind of they don't understand what you what you really do who you interact with my, my question to you involves a little bit more uh, of your past before that so you you had challenges in your job search and i always like to ask this question because a lot of people watching this uh, are, are struggling in different parts of their job search uh, so if you, you could go back to yet that decision about why you decided to transition into industry, um, what was that reason why? And then what was, this is my, my darkest hour question, what was the darkest hour you had in your job search where you're like, I am not doing this right or I need help or something's not working? Yeah. Um, so I, unfortunately, it didn't take me long to realize that I probably should move <laughs> on. Um, you know, same story as I'm sure, Isaiah, you've heard over and over again from different postdocs. Um, but my issue was just more, I was really passionate about my research and I still am. Yes. Um, so I know when you were reading my bio, I did a lot of work in women's health and endometriosis, and I have still found a way to stay passionate about that. So I wanted to share that fact too, um, mm -hmm. that even though I'm not working in that field, I've still been able to kind of 
uh, stay in touch with that area. But yes. I would say um, probably five to six months in was when I realized that um, I was unhappy and I needed to start looking wow. elsewhere. And my darkest hour was probably just going on Indeed um, and LinkedIn and different monster. And I, I literally tried everything and I would look through the qualifications or the expectations of the candidates. And I was like, uh, I don't have any of these things. Technically, mm -hmm. you know, I felt pretty comfortable, yeah. but um, the soft skills, it, it was tough. And so what helped me a lot was actually you came to um, Harvard <laughs> while I was a postdoc and yeah. you had a seminar and my colleague and I, we were actually in the same lab and we both had the chance to attend one of the cheeky scientists. Um, wow, that's uh, great. Seminars. Yeah, so that, that changed everything. I mean, just becoming more dedicated and treating the job search for what it was. Um, instead of just kind of spending a few minutes here and there every day checking out Indeed or seeing what popped up and then quickly sending in my resume, mm. I really set aside a certain amount of time every day. Mm. Um, and because I knew that what I was putting in was going to really contribute to what I was getting out of that job search. Um, mm. And then using the resources and the tools on CSA, honestly, um, was super helpful because I did not know what an application scientist was, for example. So I would not have known how to prepare for the interviews at all um, if it weren't for that. So amazing. And what, what did the interview process look like? So you, I mean, obviously you had your reason why you mm -hmm. you had that pain point that drove you forward. You learned, you changed, you got these interviews. Did, it, did you have a phone screen first? Video interview, site visit. What did it look like? Yes, I actually had a little bit of everything, um, which got. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was adding any stress, but it definitely was a little daunting. I think it was yes. a couple months in total. Um, so started with a phone screen with the hiring manager, uh, or sorry, started with a phone screen with the recruiter. Yes. Um, then I had a phone interview with the hiring manager. Um, then I had a, I'm trying to remember how long it was, I would say a three or four hour on-site interview process um, with seven or eight different people. So I mentioned how cross-functional this role is. So I, they knew that I would be interacting with a lot of different teams. And so I talked to marketing, I talked to, um, business development. I talked to R and D. Mm. Um, I actually had an interview with the CEO, the CFO in this case. Um, so that was the third step. And then they actually brought me in to do a presentation which I know that, um, yeah, Cheeky did, uh, that was an also extremely helpful time for me um, yeah. preparing for that because without knowing a lot about the science of what the company did, it was tough for me to understand how I was supposed to present to them based on a one sentence prompt, if you will. Um, so I, I, preparing for that was probably the hardest part, but it was also nice to share what I've been doing. Um, what I felt like I could offer the company in that setting with, you know, the same seven or eight people that had already interviewed me individually, and then maybe two or three other people um, in addition. So that was the last part um, before I got hired. Amazing. No, thank you so much for sharing that. So yeah, I really wanted to break down what you did on the job on the day to day basis, you know, what was that triggering point that got you uh, to start searching uh, in, the, in the correct way. And thanks for breaking down the interview process too. I think a lot of PhDs don't understand the variety of people you'll meet on a site visit, especially for an application scientist role, like you said, you know, right. suite people as well as 
you know, three, four, five different other departments and a presentation because you got to be able to carry yourself in front of those key opinion leaders or the clients yes. in the field. So Christina, thank you for your time. Thank you very much no for, for jumping on. Thank you guys so much. Good to see you. I appreciate thank it. Christina in the chat box, if you would, for her time, go reach out to her. Thank her for her time on LinkedIn as well. Christina, have a great day. Thanks guys. This takes us to the end of our public portion of the radio show. If you are a Cheeky Scientist associate, you get to stay on with us, and we're going to do a resume review. We're going to talk about uh, some inside strategies for LinkedIn. Uh, if you're not a Cheeky Scientist associate yet, you can become one. We have an enrollment coming up in just a few weeks, our last one of the year. This is where you can become a member for our, our promotional enrollment price. Make sure you get on uh, our list, our wait list for the program. We do keep a wait list for it. It's based on demand. Go to phdsgethired.com. Just an easy URL to say if you're listening by audio. It'll reroute you to our waitlist page. Cheekyscientist.com uh, will give you all the info you need about this company, about our programs, if you're learning about Cheeky Scientists for the first time. Otherwise, to become a Cheeky Scientist associate, again, go to phdsgethired.com. Thank you very much for coming to our radio show. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. This takes us to the end of another Cheeky Scientist radio show podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you want to learn more about transitioning into your first or next job in industry, just go to phdsgethired.com. Go to phdsgethired.com. We will send you all of our free training materials that will help you start your job search now or help you take it to the next level in business. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. Bum, 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 bum,